Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Tuesday morning to you. And as I mentioned there, the temperatures are starting to rise and they're going to get steadily warmer as we head into Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And Met Aaron are now saying the possibility of a heat wave next week, not this week, but next week, can't be ruled uh, out because they're expecting temperatures to reach 25 degrees across the weekend. And Met Aaron forecaster Deirdre Lowe uh, said a heat, uh, to, in order to declare a heat wave, you have to have five consecutive days where the maximum temperature is in excess of 25 degrees. So while it's going to be very warm and indeed many would people would say hot this week with temperatures anything between 20 and 24 degrees. They're reckoning 25 degrees is not going to hit in until the bank holiday Monday and so far looking across next week they're expecting next week to stay warm. Will it stay 25 and above? Only time will tell but if it does for five consecutive days across next week then we will be declaring that we have a a heat wave but certainly we've got some very warm weather across this week and into uh, the weekend and Dogs Trust are already out warning that the most common common cause of potential fatal heat stroke in dogs during the summer months and especially with the warm weather we're having at the moment is exercising your dogs, particularly the hottest part of the day. Dogs Trust uh, say they're releasing veterinary studies that they commissioned back in 2020 and they show the dogs being exercised by either walking, playing or running with their owners are responsible for 74% of heat stroke cases. But more than two thirds of those cases simply occurred while the owner was taking the dog out for a walk. So Dogs Trust uh, say the problem with dogs is they're not able to cool themselves down as effectively as we human beings are. They have to rely on panting or releasing very small amounts of heat through their paw pads. And then obviously with the air and the ground temperature rises, it becomes much more difficult for them to do that. And that's how they overheat. And they say if you think your dog might be suffering from heat stroke, it's vital that you quickly move them to a cooler location. You do need to contact your vet uh, immediately and then you offer cool but not cold water to drink. You also pour very small amounts of room temperature water on their body. The main goal, obviously, is to try to return their body temperature to normal as quickly as possible but you've got to be careful about not say turning on a hose or throwing a bucket of water over your dog because that can actually cause a a shock so as we are into this wonderful warm weather with temperatures set to increase day after day dogs trust urging owners not to take any risks when it comes to their dog safety in the hot uh, weather and uh, the usual advice that we give when Jane uh, Pickett our resident vet is on is don't walk them during the warmest part 
part of the day. Uh, the dogs are still going to need their walks, but get them out either early in the morning or get them out in the evening time. Offer them shade and make sure that they've got lots of uh, water. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. And of course, many people will say, of course, we're getting warm weather at the moment. What's happening next week? We've got the start of the state exams and most of us remember doing junior cert and leaving cert and the sun splitting the rocks. We always seem to get warm weather. I don't know uh, what it is, but you always feel for the students stuck inside in classrooms, uh, many of them feeling very stressed and the gorgeous warm weather outside. So that means it's the end of the school year. I'm assuming this week all the secondary schools will break up and then a few weeks uh, later, around the end of June, we'll have all the primary schools uh, finishing up. And of course, what happens now because of the cost of sending your children to school, many parents from as soon as the school ends for one year, they're already focused on the next year and they're already focused on September and buying bits every week. You'll see already inside in the department stores, all the back to school uniforms uh, will be coming in if they're not already in. Uh, you know, usually before the schools even close, you'll see the back to school uh, signs uh, up. So I was interested to read, this has come out from the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, that almost 90% of parents are actually cutting back spending on daily essentials in order to pay the voluntary contributions which are charged in secondary schools. Now, it seems in some secondary schools, now these I'm imagining are a very small number, the voluntary contributions can be up to €550 per child. Now, schools are increasingly using those voluntary contributions just to cover the basic day-to-day running costs of the school and they're covering things like books and classroom materials and uh, stationery. So you have to feel for the schools as well. They're not deliberately targeting parents. They will say to you, we have no choice. We have to look for a voluntary contribution from our parents. So the Society of St Vincent de Paul, they got Grant Thornton to conduct a survey for them. And the survey shows quite, I think, some people would be quite shocked by it. 86% of parents who were surveyed said that the parent that the schools requested a voluntary contribution. So 86, which means very few are not looking for a voluntary contribution. But what I thought was interesting when the parents were asked, 80% of them said that it was never clearly communicated that the contribution is optional. The voluntary part of it was never relayed to the parents. Simply a note went home with their sons or daughters to say, this is how you must pay for the contribution to the school. The voluntary aspect of it was never clearly stated in the note home to the parents. Now, the Department of Education, their guidance states that schools must make it very clear to parents that there's no compulsion for the parents to to pay and that a child's place within the school is absolutely not dependent on a parent's ability or their failure to pay this voluntary contribution. But one parent in the survey said that it had to be paid or the child didn't receive the homework notebook. So as soon as the voluntary contribution was paid, then the child gets this homework notebook. You can't buy this homework notebook anywhere else. And then what happens is the teacher will ask 
a pupil, where's your homework notebook? So then the rest of the class knows that that child's parents hasn't paid the fees. And this parent was saying, that's simply very embarrassing for my child. So, you know, I'll do whatever it needs to pay the voluntary contribution so that my child can have the homework notebook, the same as everybody else in the classroom. Another parent said that there was a fee for transition year activities and that left that particular family faced with a bill of €600 euro, and that was before they even bought a book. They, this particular parent said it has seriously put a dent in the family finances, so much so that that mother borrowed money from other family members to buy the uniforms and to buy the shoes because this €600 euro had to be paid up front to the school. Now, the pressure on parents to pay these charges has been cited by many charities as having a major impact on households, particularly as the cost of living crisis has deepened. The Society of Vincent de Paul, their national president, Rose McGowan, said many of the parents who took part in the research spoke about the stress caused by requests for these contributions. Some say they've gone into debt and others say they are feeling ashamed at struggling just to meet the basic costs of their uh, children. And Vincent de Paul are saying that this mirrors what they see when they're working with families who are looking for help from the various conferences of societies of Vincent de Paul all over the country. The survey also found a large number of parents saying they must pay extra for school activities and for school clubs, even for things like uh, classroom resources such as printing fees, even though I think that's always been there, the photocopying one. Parents now said then when they were asked, those that were surveyed were asked, how much was the voluntary contribution? I mean, it ranged from anything as low as €30, but it went right up to €550. But the average cost across the country comes in at about €140. Voluntary contributions are a symptom, of course, of the underfunding of the education system. And that's what one principal clearly outlined to this study. Uh, This principal said, we use the payment to simply cover the cost of running the school on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you can imagine how much the electricity and the heating bills are within uh, schools. Society of Vincent Paul said their research showed that this voluntary charge has become what they call baked into schools' financial makeup, and they're now urging change from the government. Vincent Paul said, we've always known that schools are underfunded and if you remember during the period of austerity, the capitation grant, that is how much is paid from the department and it's a capitation grant per head, per pupil. So depending on how many pupils are in the school, that's how the capitation grant is worked out and that's the money that a principal is given to use the basic running costs for the school. But during austerity, there was a cost to that before the austerity each school was getting 345 per pupil, but that went down to 309. And it's even less, by the way, for pupils in primary school. These are secondary school figures we're talking about. But the one principal was saying that to maintain the real 2010 value adjusted for inflation up to 2023, that figure should be at 422, which is 33% um, higher. So Vincent de Paul are saying that the cost-free actions that could be taken immediately to reduce the burden on uh, families, the charity are proposing a new regulation on monitoring 
voluntary contributions, increasing the capitation grant to every school and providing more transparency on educational funding expenditure because certainly something has to be done and and you know I can I, I wasn't actually shocked when I saw the lens to the parents the lengths that the parents went because they don't want their child to stand out. And I know on this programme, every year when it comes to back to school costs, we will hear from parents to say, look, you know, I've managed to cover the cost of going back to school. Suddenly this voluntary contribution note has come home. I don't have the money, you know, and we're always at lengths to point out it is a voluntary contribution. You don't have to pay it. Now, what we also are at pains to point out is contact the school because most principals will be very, very reasonable if, you know, if you set out your stall and you explain that you're under pressure at the moment uh, financially. But for some parents, they don't want to do it. They, they're feeling shame. They feel that their child will be in some way targeted if they don't uh, pay it. And I think this one of linking the voluntary contribution to the homework journal, I, I find that uh, I, that doesn't sit well with me because that absolutely then makes the child stand out in the classroom and as you say if there's only one child in the classroom who doesn't have the notebook and of course the teacher probably in their innocence is saying you know have you forgotten your notebook why haven't you brought it to school only for the child to say I don't have one and then everybody else in the classroom knows that that child hasn't paid the voluntary contribution hugely hugely embarrassing and none of us want our children to stand out and be any different when they're in school you want them to be the same as everybody else now some people commenting on that survey out from the Society of St Vincent de Paul showing the pressure that uh, some families put themselves under but they feel the pressure is coming from the school to pay the so-called in inverted commas voluntary contributions. Jim says Trish I heard uh, on the morning show on TV3 this morning of an alleged Jim is saying incident whereby the names of the students that hadn't paid the voluntary contributions were read out to the school. I find that very hard to believe that any school or teacher would do that. I mean that is is just calling out the students and naming and uh, shaming them. Shocking, absolutely shocking if that did happen. Jim's likened it. He said it would be a bit like the priest standing up on the pulpit and calling out who and how much the Jews were that each parishioner had paid every week. And Jim, I'm sure any of the older generation listening might be able to remember. I'm, I'm sure many years ago I spoke with somebody on the programme who spoke about that, saying that they remembered, now I'm talking many many, many years ago that they remembered that that used to happen. I think it used to happen around the stations which um, when when people would give their, you know, their monthly or their annual dues to the church and the priest used to call out from the pulpit how much each family actually gave. Now, I don't know how widespread that was, but I clearly remember a listener telling that story many, many years ago. Somebody else says voluntary contributions, my eye. I think transition year should be scrapped. It is costing in some schools. It can be well over a thousand euro, particularly if you throw in a foreign tour. And actually the Society of Vincent de Paul only this morning we're talking when they were discussing this Grant Thornton survey that they commissioned. They were talking about transition year because it was done on secondary school pupils. So obviously transition year uh, very much came up when some of the parents were uh, speaking and that some of the parents who were speaking actually said that the they had to make the decision of their son or daughter not participating in transition year because they simply couldn't 
cover the cost of it. And it seems that the cost of transition year considerably higher for parents and students, particularly parents on uh, low income. And the funding that is allocated to the schools for transition year is simply not meeting what it is supposed to do. So you will wonder with more and more families struggling with the cost of living, is that going to impact on students who would dearly love to do transition year, but they'll be opting instead after their juniors are this year to go straight into fifth year. And that would be shameful if it was simply down to uh, costs. 0818 103 103. Remember, this is the final week of our Rod Stewart competition. We're hoping to send one of our listeners to see Rod Stewart twice with C103. At some stage today on the programme, I will play one of the many, many greatest hits of Rod Stewart. Soon as you hear it, you need to get texting and uh, WhatsApping on 086 to 103 103. And then stay by your phone, please, because uh, you might get a call from us. And if you do, you join me on air, answer a simple uh, question. And by doing that, you'll get your name into the grand final, which will happen this Friday after 3pm only on C103. Now, we can be very thankful here in Cork to Aiken promote for the staging this year of Live at the Marquee because nationwide crippling insurance costs have forced the cancellation of sporting, arts and musical events that were due to take place this summer. Joining me to discuss just how bad things are this year is Peter Boland, who is the Director of the Alliance for Insurance uh, Reform. Uh, Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Always great to talk to you. Now, firstly, is this problem unique to Ireland? Absolutely. And um, we've got growing evidence of that through comments from the likes of uh, the adventure tourism employers in Europe who say that this issue does not exist as an issue in other European countries. And as they said, it's 100% Irish um, as a problem. So this is a problem of our own making. Uh, we have to solve it ourselves. Um, clearly for the fabric of Irish society and for the, 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 the benefit of Irish society, we need to get it fixed. But we need to get it fixed as a matter of urgency because it, it causes massive competitive issues for us. Um, we, we cannot afford to compete uh, with other tourism destinations in particular um, because of the cost of insurance and the number of organisations and events that it's closing down. And then from a broader societal perspective, this has a particular impact on uh, children and the way that children develop and the kind of facilities and events that they have available to them. And uh, we we just don't have the opportunities for kids uh, that are available and taken for granted in other countries. And what type of events are you hearing about that now will definitely not be going ahead this year? Okay, so festivals, um, we're we're hearing of plenty of festivals where really just they're running out of road at this stage. Um, We're hearing about adventure tourism facilities having to either restrict the activities that they provide uh, or in one or two uh, circumstances closed down entirely. Uh, music concerts you've mentioned already and it's very interesting to note uh, when it comes to Aiken Promotions that they um, they did mention earlier this year that ensuring Rod Stewart uh, when he came to uh, the Tree Arena in Dublin 
uh, last year, it cost him 10000 to insure, where the same events in Belfast for Rod Stewart cost £215. Yeah, and so, I remember last year, the Ed Sheeran concerts that were here in Cork, uh, €65,000 for public liability insurance is what Peter Aiken told us, and the concert in Belfast, 1500 That is very hard to justify. It's very hard to justify, and look, it goes way beyond uh, just the, the the notion that this gets passed on to Irish consumers. It gets to the point where promoters just say that it's not worth the effort anymore. Uh, and so, I think that one of the gigs that got a lot of publicity over the last couple of days was uh, Beyonce, yeah. and the fact that Beyonce didn't come, and it was acknowledged that insurance was among the issues. Uh, that uh, just made it not viable to be And like she's to, doing uh, she's doing Ireland. she's doing eight concerts in the UK. So it's not that yeah. she's not interested in this part of the world. She has played Ireland before and Beyonce fans are really disappointed the only way they'll get to see her is by jumping on a plane. Yeah. And I and I don't blame them. It is it is very disappointing. So so this is look these these are all small cuts but when you combine them all what we're talking about is just that that damage to the fabric of Irish society that we talk about. And, you know, you broaden it out into the likes of uh, Tidy Towns organisations that just find it too onerous now uh, to live up to the requirements of insurers and the costs applied to them. You look at community centres that are actually having to go out and collect a second time every year just to pay for the insurance policy. That's not sustainable. And what we've seen over the last few years as we've been talking about it is, you know, businesses in particular borrowing money or using savings or using reserves to pay their insurance. We're seeing voluntary groups getting out and shaking the bucket in order to raise funds. That can only last for so long mm-hmm. before they finally say, look, it's really just not worth the effort anymore. And and that's the position we're in. So the two particular issues here. There's the cost of insurance and there's the availability of insurance. And it, it's down to government on both of these. So you got to give government a lot of credit, um, along with opposition and the judiciary and the Gardaí and, of course, policyholders. They've moved mountains over the last two years in terms of getting reforms in place. And those reforms, and particularly the judicial guidelines, which we've talked about regularly, are getting the cost of claims down dramatically. But that's not been... Uh, seen in the cost of liability insurance. And so government have a very significant role here in pressurising insurers to pass the benefits on. Uh, We're not seeing them do that. And that's particularly down to the issue of competition. There's just not enough competition, Patricia, uh, in the insurance market. So we need additional competitors in. And how do we do do that? How do we encourage people into this market? Absolutely. Government have accepted that they have a role here. In, in The insurance industry tends to move more like an oil tanker than a, a speedboat. And Ireland is a very small market. So in the natural scheme of things, the fact that we've turned this market inside out and reformed it over the last few years isn't going to be enough to attract global underwriters unless somebody goes out there and tells them look as we've reformed our ways we're not the basket case we used to be uh, we're a very attractive market now and there are real opportunities here and so government have said that that's their role they've set up an insurance competition office but it's in place since December 2020 and it hasn't produced any wins on liability insurance yet so they really have to get a move on in that area 
And thirdly, there are all the sectors that are now being essentially cast aside by insurers. Insurers have become uh, a, a lot more data-driven over the last number of years. And so we're seeing a lot of smaller, particularly community-driven sectors where insurers are just not, uh, they don't have the appetite, as they call it, to insure anymore. And again, government are going to have to put together a comprehensive response to this. Um, it applies to patch cottages, it applies to community circuses, uh, it applies to a lot of uh, the elements of adventure tourism, which we're trying to encourage in order to make Ireland a more attractive place to visit. Um, and it applies to many other sectors besides. And we are going to need a collective response uh, on that to make sure that those sort of sectors can get covered. Yeah, and I always worry when I hear of, you mentioned festivals, any community run events uh, getting cancelled because there is a danger that if they get cancelled for a year or two, we lose them forever. That's precisely it. And there's a very significant difference that you've just raised between the commercial side of enterprise in Ireland and the voluntary and community side. Commerce will recover People uh, want to make a living. Irish business is very responsive, very dynamic. And so, you know, if the situation improves again, uh, they'll be back like a shot. Um, at least that's our aspiration. That's not a given on the voluntary and community side because, as you well know, it takes an enormous amount of effort to get something up and running in the first place. Um, and... Once that stops, all that voluntary effort is dissipated, all the collective knowledge is uh, dispersed and it's much more difficult mm. to get it up and running again. And it is harder nowadays to get people to volunteer for events, not least because of the insurance issue and the fear of being sued. Um, so it, it is certainly a big issue that um, we don't want to see those voluntary community groups winding down because, like you say, it's it's not a given that we get them back again. And, and as you pointed out, they are the fabric of, of Irish uh, society. Karen, listening to us in Dublin, said the fabulous Rocking Road Festival in Drumcondra. Uh, it's always run in aid of charity. That, was, that had to be cancelled because of insurance costs. It was due to take place uh, last Sunday. And I know the Shandon Street Festival, they recently announced that they had to, they will be taking an extended break. They've been running that festival for 16 years and they cited insurance costs uh, as well. All right, listen, Peter, we leave it there. Thank you for that. No doubt we will speak again. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the fine weather and thanks for joining us this morning. While many people are keeping fingers and toes crossed and hoping that Piper's Funfair will make its annual return to Kinsale, a headline in yesterday's Irish Examiner stating that the Funfair is unlikely to return this summer will leave many crestfallen. To give us the latest on his attempts to bring the fun back this summer, I'm once again joined by Brendan uh, Piper. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. I suppose we need to first of all start by recapping and remind listeners, your problems began when the council looked for a bond of 60,000. That's right, Patricia, the bond. Yeah, the council looked for a bond of 60,000. The 60,000 was for um, any damage to the, the car park, which was um, resurfaced, nearly resurfaced. The town of Caddam and lined in a 60,000 euro bond was to protect to, um, if we did any damage, that would uh, the bond would cover anything that had to be fixed. Okay, they've the new surface. They wanted to protect yeah. it. Now it seems like a lot of money. You went into negotiations and you got that halved. 
we did. We went having dinner negotiations with some officials, and at the meeting, they said yeah, they did. Did they say they'll have it to thirty thousand? I said I'll try my best to get maybe I'll try my best to get the thirty thousand quicker than I would for the sixty thousand. I couldn't get the sixty thousand. I tried for the thirty thousand then, and there's no bond out there, Patricia, that cover. Our, t- our line of work for fund first. Now there's bonds out there that are called builders bonds where if you're a builder you get them no problem but for our line of work um, there's no um, there's no bond for us and I explained this to the council and what it, what happened then I, I got a call then um, from local uh, Green Park representative Mark Rain in Kingsdale and people have donated funding up to 15,000 Okay. In okay. Cash. Right. And what I did, and they offered, would I contact the council and submit? Would be would they take the fifteen thousand? I did. I sent an email to the officials and explained all this. We have fifteen thousand. The offering cash we could put in the uh, council bank account straight away. Yeah. And also, I um, our. Our engineers will work with the council engineers before we go into the park when the park is all clear of vehicles. What we'll do, we'll check all the car park with the council engineer and our own engineer representatives. Um, We'll take photographs and videos off the surface. And at the end, what we'll do at the end, then we'll do a survey again with our engineers and Clark County Council engineers when we finish, before we leave the park. And I also... If there's any damage or any service has to be um, put right. As a professional company, who Tom McCallum Company here in West Long, who are willing to go in and do resurface and fix any damage that is done, I said oh, I listed them and I also asked them. I also put forward to them that um, instead of we have seven rides, eight rides, we knocked down to the four rides that are. That are least state that are no stakes in them. Okay. And what I do also, I'll, and this means all my rides have been built on um, top of heavy duty plastic, where we've our big one, this bumper cars, which is a continental ride, and that's about 80 feet by 40, 80 feet long by 40 feet wide. And we all, all in were going to be done heavy duty plastic to save the ground. I put all this to them, and the, the response I thing is, Finally, I got a response back to them, the officials, and there's far and due consideration that come from that the below is that the below is not acceptable to the council. Ah, so they're like not, you're they trying, you're trying everything, and and I do think that offer, and and I'm assuming you'd sign on the dotted line that offer of let your engineers. Yep come in, we'll video it, we'll photograph yep. it and you're guaranteeing them you will leave it in exactly the same condition as you found it in and you'd sign a document saying yep. I will do this and they still won't accept that. No, Patrice, because not only that they signed it up, I've offered them, our solicitor, work with their solicitor and we'll, we'll, we'll write up a documentation. Anything that get word for word that the council wants, what council officials want and we will sign that. And to be done to be a legal document, legal stand document. Have you, have, Brendan? Have you looked to see is there anywhere else in Kinsale suitable that you could locate the fun fair in? There's not. There's no. nowhere, nowhere suitable. I mean, whether it's we're going into that paper in Kinsale since 1932, 
We're going into the park since 1939. We never, never damaged that ground. Actually, what we used to do every year, Patricia, before we go in, we bring in, or when we go in, we build up a rise, we bring in um, 15, 20 tonnes of gravel, especially to three-quarter round gravel washed. So what it is, the reason why it's three-quarter round, if a child falls, you know the way the children get excited, if they fall, yeah. it, won't cut, it will not cut their lives or damage anything. They won't hurt themselves. Yeah. They won't hurt themselves. And we do all that every year. And have you spoken to other fun fairs from around the country, yeah. particularly the touring ones? That mm-hmm. T- mm-hmm. Are any of those having similar problems? Never. No, no. And they never, never came up against this. And they never came up against a bond like this. They never heard of it. And anyone, not only that, Patricia, I contacted numerous companies, bonds, and they, they're so sympathetic. They say, what they say, Brent, they never heard of this. Not for fun. It's a builder's bond. You're fun fair. And I was talking to one uh, company, and this man I rang me at 3 o'clock. He rang me after 9 o'clock the same night, out of his own time. And he said, sorry, Brennan, I've tried everywhere to get this bond. There's no bond there, Brennan. And he said, Brennan, I've been down there with my kids four years ago. We were down there, and he said, we spent the week there, and we were inside in your place in front of her every night with our three kids. And I know you're right. You said, they're not, there's no danger, no nothing. There's, that, there's no damage can be done to that part, he says. And yeah. if it is, it's only surface. It's, do, it's fixable. And I've just done an interview about public liability uh, insurance, which yeah. will be a separate issue for you. I mean, you have insurance ready to go, I take it. But this is what, this is what, the, um, this is what the council official is saying to me. It involves the council taking substantial unmitigated risk, but there's no substantial mitigated risk there, Patricia Watchfever. I have insurance at public liability yeah. for 13.5 million. What? I apply employees liability for 6.5 million. That's all covered. I, and then I have the, the ground that they're talking about. I bring in the company. The, the fixture has to be put right if they're not happy with it. And it's a legal, can be legal document stating I will put right. And yet they still won't I don't either, Brendan. I don't either. But when on previous years, when would the when would the Marys normally start in Kinsale? Oh, we should be open this weekend. Would you? Yeah. Actually, Bank we holiday weekend. Week, last weekend because we, we because we're um, a park model, all our rides are traditional. We're the old traditional. Old country. style, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no press of a button. We have to build from hand. It's all done hand. And that's where we need the time because our line of work with the insurance, we bring in our own engineer who comes down before we open up and he checks all the, all the gear and he signs that off. And he each it's one of our rides in. You get a plate with a number on it. So say one, three, one, two, three. That could be for the bumper cars. That's stated one, two, three is on your insurance like for bumper cars. So everything, health and safety is very, very important to us. Yeah. Like I said, we do the gravel and we do that you, all along. You, I spoke to you following the recent protest where people turned out to support you. I can see yeah. a listener saying they were at the protest. Why doesn't Brendan hold another one? I've been asked that, funny enough, but not funny, but that you brought it up there, Patricia. I had a call yesterday from a lady from Cart, her grandmother. She got my number from the Facebook. She said, I uh, concealed Facebook. She said, Mary was her name, she said, I'm 
I'm a grandmother. I went down the pipers as a child myself. My, I took my kids down, my own children down there, and now I took, I was taking my grandchildren down there. This is a holy disgrace, she says, for the service you did over the years. Even me, a woman in her late seventies, going down there as a child. She said, Brendan, she said, I'm asking, and people have been asking because there's great support for your pain in the city. She said, would you bring a protest up to Cork City? Would you? I would, yeah. So you're thinking about it? Well, we've been talking about it. Mark, Mark, Ian and Helen Hickey have been my backbone from the start. Or the start of the year. They're talking about organising to bring it and to any, any further meetings planned to sit down with the council, Brendan? They won't meet them. No, they won't no. meet them. No. They're uh, adamant. They said this is, um, this is it. It's about 30,000 and that's there's not budget. That's it. And as you say, you got halfway there with collecting but fifteen, I, which is a lot of money uh, to to collect fifteen thousand. And this, this is from the good heart of the people. I didn't ask for this. We're proud people. We don't look for to want donations, you know. And what I'm saying, you, you want to earn a living, is what you want to do. What we want to do, Patricia, the first thing is give childhood memories and give enjoyment to children. That's what this is all about. First of all. Patricia, we left that ground because whether it was to be a bad summer or whatever, you know, we mightn't have um, even the money put in their own jeeps and vans or cars. But everyone else was paid. The kids came in. They had a great time. There was memories there. And the father came to me one day and he said, bring me the bad season. But like, everyone came in safe and went home safe. And we give childhood memories. And that's what's important Please to you. God, he said, next year will be better. That's the way we do. And that's what our colleagues up and down the country are doing. And come here, Brendan, tell me, how's your dad? You know what? He's out of hospital. He had the operation and he's slowly recovering. Is he? Is he? Yeah. Is he, is he up to speed with what's happening? No. Does, no, he's not. No, All right, you, yeah. no, no, I'm sorry. But I, I, I just tell him what he needs to know. I know, I know. We'll keep in contact with you, Brendan. It really is heartbreaking. And I can see the amount of outpouring of love and support uh, from people texting and uh, calling us uh, this morning. So hang in there. And as I say, we'll keep in contact. Thanks for joining us, Brendan. Thank you so, so much for yourself and your team for all your help. God bless. I appreciate it. God bless. God bless. Take care. That is, it really is heartbreaking. And you can hear him when he talks about it. I mean, other than, you know, he is trying to make a livelihood, even though I don't know how much money is actually made out of it. But uh, it's all about, he loves to see the children coming along and enjoying it and he loves those stories of somebody coming and saying you know I came here as a child and you know and then I bought my own children and now here I'm along bringing my grandchildren that is uh, Brendan Piper from the from the certainly uh, very famous Piper's uh, Funfair here in Cork looking like not going ahead at the moment when I mentioned that somebody had heard on uh, one of the breakfast shows on TV Jim one of our listeners had heard this morning of an alleged incident that happened in a school and this is to do with the voluntary contributions that in one school somewhere um, a principal or a teacher stood up and read out the names of the pupils whose parents hadn't paid the voluntary contribution. I found that really hard uh, to believe. And Jim was saying, was liking it. Wouldn't it be like the priests getting up on the pulpit and reading out how much each individual household contributed to the various envelopes that go out and about? And I said, I remember speaking with a listener who remembered a time when priests did that, particularly around the uh, stations. Well, Michael says, Patricia, you must be a mighty young girl because it isn't that long ago 
the contributions were read out from the pulpit, the Christmas Jews, the station Jews in the spring and the fall, the Lenten Jews, propagation of the faith and Peter's Peter's Pence and the November offering. That's enough for now, says Michael. That's a lot of contributions. Hand on heart, I can never remember being inside in a church where I heard contributions being read out. And certainly where I grew up in, in Clonmel in Tipperary, we didn't have the stations. That wasn't, I only found out about the stations when I moved to West Cork. I'd never heard about them before. So I don't know whether it's a, a Cork thing or it's just a rural thing but certainly we didn't have stations in Clonmel so I, I, but I wasn't aware of them. Somebody else says I remember the priests in Mill Street uh, used to read out what people gave in their Jews. My mother never gave the Jews as she was so cross to hear them mean read out and that wasn't that long ago. The sister says it was as late as the 19, 1970s and it was done after each station area so everybody got to hear what each individual household gave. Isn't that just shocking? And that listener says, I remember it with um, disgust and it obviously so disgusted your mother that she decided just not to uh, contribute, which is a brave, brave thing uh, to do as well because if they're reading out all the names and your name doesn't appear, everyone's going to know you didn't give anything. It's just, I'm glad to see that that particular issue has uh, ended but I would be shocked to hear if schools are doing the same thing with voluntary contributions 0818 103 103 and then number of calls and comments in following on from my interview with Brendan Piper of Piper's Fun Fair and it looking like it won't go ahead God help him he's still not giving up uh, without a fight uh, one listener uh, oh, Billy Billy and Clannock Kilty thanks they contacted John Paul rang the programme and said if the business people in Kinsale really want Piper's in Kinsale then that bond of 60 euro could they not make a collection from the businesses say if each business chipped in 2,000 euro each to make up the bond they will well make their money back uh, from Brendan Piper's business because Piper Funfair brings people into the town and of course they don't just spend money at the Funfair they spend money in the other businesses and remember and actually that 60,000 Billy has since been reduced to 30,000 he's done some fundraising himself local people have given contributions I don't know if any of them are businesses and he has 15,000 so he's halfway to the bond and remember the bond just gets lodged into the council's bank account and then Brendan Piper is adamant they leave the car park in exactly the condition that they found it in so they'll get the bond back so the money will be uh, returned. Hi Patricia, listening to your interview with Brendan uh, Piper, the decision makers, whoever made this decision, I feel it is a disgrace. It almost seems, says this listener, like they have a kind of a personal grudge against the Piper family. Remember, it wasn't so long ago that there was an issue with the showman's wagon. I feel so sorry for the Piper family. Something is seriously wrong here with this decision. There are a lot more serious issues that need to be attended to and stop making life difficult for hard-working people. Kind regards, and that's from uh, Pat. And someone else also saying, I'd love to hear from the person who made this uh, decision. The the Pipers should be allowed to go ahead with the funfair. Martin in Formoy says, on the issue of the Merrys and the funfair, myself and my wife and two daughters have been going to Tremor in County Waterford every year for the past 20 years on our holidays. And of course, we attend the Merrys in Formoy. They've given us so, so many memories over the years. Fantastic memories. And this year, we'll be taking our beautiful two-year-old granddaughter with us, all going for 10 days holidays. Funfairs and Merrys are 
are part of Irish culture and history. I feel so sorry for that man, Brendan Piper from Piper's uh, Funfair. And that's what it is. And that's even listening to Brendan that's what he was talking about. It's about memories and we all have memories of children of the various fun fairs and the Marys and people who go to Kinsale and people living in Kinsale have very fond mem- family memories of uh, time spent and the fun spent at the at, at the Marys and at the Piper's Fun Fair in Kinsale. And then I also obviously spoke to Brendan about insurance and he's got the money for all of the high insurance costs he has to pay on public liability. And that kind of tied in with my chat with uh, Peter Boland of the Alliance of Insurance Reform, who was talking about some of the top acts are, are skipping Ireland, not putting Ireland on the map as part of their European tour. I mentioned Beyonce, but seemingly Pink and Coldplay all have cited high cost of insurance so they're not coming to Ireland to uh, play. But we were talking about local community festivals are not going ahead this year because the public liability insurance is just so uh, expensive. One listener says, Margaret in Cantor, could Irish companies not take out their public liability insurance in Northern Ireland or in England? I, I I think if they would if they could, but they obviously can't. I don't know what are the laws around it, but they can't because certainly somebody who would would be Peter Aiken of Aiken Insurance. I mean, Peter Aiken has publicly stated that to ensure the Rod Stewart con- concert at the Point Three Arena last November, it cost him ten thousand in public liability insurance to let the concert go ahead in Dublin. But then he had another concert in Belfast and it was £215. And also last year for the Ed Sheeran concerts, to hold the Ed Sheeran concerts here in Cork, his public liability insurance was €65,000 and his public liability insurance in Belfast was 1500 So I think if there was a way that they could use a company in Northern Ireland or a UK company, they certainly would be using it. Just by the way, seeing as I'm talking about concerts and talking about the likes of uh, Beyonce. I thought this seemed very, very unfair when I read about it this morning. This is to do with people who have booked tickets for the now cancelled Celine Dion uh, concerts and it seems former Ulster Bank and KBC customers are very angry by Ticketmaster's insistence that refunds for Celine Dion's cancelled gig in Dublin will only be sent to what are now cancelled bank cards. The exit of the two major banks from Ireland, of course, course, there was almost a million customers had to go out and find new bank accounts and, you know, set up new new uh, bank accounts. And some of these people had purchased tickets for Celine Dion with either their Ulster Bank card or their KBC uh, card while they were still active. They're now facing what's being described as a frustrating battle for refunds and concert tickets in Ireland because of public liability is one of the one of the reasons are very high. So it's hundreds of euro and they're going to have a battle now to get that money transferred from a defunct account into their new accounts. And it was last Friday that Celine Dion uh, announced that she was cancelling all of her upcoming live shows, telling fans she's not strong enough, unfortunately, to, to tour. And it's really sad what it's been, what is happening to Celine Dion. She was diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder. It is now, and there's probably some medical term on it, but she's suffering from what's called, in layman's terms, stiff 
person syndrome and it's very much affecting her vocal cords. So she's had to pull the plug on all of her remaining show, shows in the Courage World Tour. She'd actually started that world tour, but she's had to pull out when she became unwell. Uh, so she's cancelled all the rest of the shows for 2023 and 2024. It included the dates here in Dublin. But it includes states in uh, London, Paris, Berlin, Amsterdam, Stockholm and uh, Zurich. And she took to Twitter last Friday to, to cancel it and say how disappointed she uh, is. But she's uh, hoping that she will be one day back ready to go back on stage again. So she's not giving up ever touring again. But I know one fan in Dublin had bought two tickets for Celine Dion. The total cost was €388. Euro purchased them through uh, Ticketmaster when she inquired about getting her re- refund. Now, it was a chat bot and this is where when you go online, you don't get to talk to a human being, you're talking to a computer. The computer says no and the computer directed her to frequently asked questions and under the frequently asked questions on Ticketmaster, it says, Unfortunately, we can't issue a refund to any new cards you may have. On the advice of our bank, we'll only refund the card that was originally used to pay. But the problem is that the card that you, these people originally paid with, are now cancelled cards. Now, I was reading in the Irish Daily Mail today, they contacted Ticketmaster for a comment, but they haven't got a response yet. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But it does seem very unfair. Now, I'm not saying that they won't get their money back, but it does look like they have a bit bit of a battle to get their money back because the Ticketmaster just want to send the money into what are now no longer uh, valid bank accounts are no lang- longer valid bank cards. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Skilled operative is wanted. Now this is for immediate start at a North Cork construction company. Driver's licence is required and but experience not essential. You can phone 087 9931 203. A carer Needed in Mallow, that's for an elderly male. Text 086-895-4772. Ward personnel have vacancies for all types of machine operators slash drivers. 021-233-9120. And a customer support agents are wanted to work in Blackpool. Email CVs to human resources at arma, A-R-E-M-A, arma Connect. You'll find all of the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. As energy companies continue to make huge profits and no signs of our domestic gas and electricity bills going down, do we need the much spoken about windfall tax to be introduced and sooner rather than later. Fianna Fáil West Cork Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan thinks so and he joins me this morning on WhatsApp. Good morning to you, Christopher. Hey, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Does legislation need to be put in place before you can go after the energy companies for this windfall tax? Is that where the delay is? Yeah, it does. Uh, we need to put legis- legislation in place. And just to, to kind of put in context what's happening here in 
um, what's happening with energy companies in, in particular. Um, you mentioned uh, energy companies and the extraordinary profits. And last week we had a had a publication of SSE Airtricity's profits. They're one of the companies that sell into the Irish market, and they 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 return profits in the twelve months uh, before April of two point one eight billion euro. So that's in the context of historical record high increases of electricity bills and energy costs and similarly in january february we saw the results of the esb profits and they recorded profits of 847 million and that's just in the in the irish market so this is the context of what we're looking for a windfall tax in um, it does have to be done legislatively. Uh, there, there's no way around this because this is a new form uh, of tax. So it has to be done through the, uh, uh, the Department of Finance. But um, what's what's really important here is, and I, and I guess it's important to explain of what a windfall tax is and, and why and why we're introducing a windfall tax. So you know, th there's a few different ways of of producing energy. Um, thankfully, we have more and more renewable energy coming online. So that's wind energy, solar, etc. The traditional way of producing energy was through fossil fuels, through coal and gas, etc. Now, over the last uh, 12 months in particular, any energy company who was um, a, who was generating their electricity through the use of gas with the extortionate gas prices, clearly they as a response to that, had to put up their energy prices in order to make a profit. That makes sense. That's economics. But what was happening as well is those energy companies who a large portion of their energy generation comes from renewable energy, from wind, which wasn't subjected to the same increase of prices, they were charging the exact same rates as those companies that were using gas. Uh, so if that makes sense. So they, on the back of that, they were making huge profits. So what Europe decided back in a almost September, October now, is that they would introduce this windfall tax. But it's taken us, you know, um, this number of months to actually get the heads heads of bill. Now, we've gone through the pre-legislative scrutiny, but it's taking months and months. And, and we've already missed out on a large portion of that profit tax. For example, if we introduced that windfall tax back in December, let's say if we rushed it through the doyle and um, we guillotined the legislation we got it through ireland would have stood to get around two billion in windfall tax which really could, could could have given back to the consumer to the homeowner to the business because we've let it go so long because it's gone so long um if we introduce it right now we stand to only get between 200 million and 600 million it's still a lot it'll still help but my concern is if we let this go even further that actually what we get from these um big profits will be will be less and less. So but that's you, kind of why I'm calling for yeah, it to be and, and I know when the ESB uh, group came out with their profit, they did say that they were forgoing any any profit that they made on residential charges. And, you know, they gave the, the, the 50 euro credit back to their 1.1 million customers. And I know some of the other utility companies uh, have done that. But that's not enough, you think? It's not enough. And look, it's 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 very easy for ESP to say that their electric electricity sub supply company, which is Electric Ireland, are separate from ESP. In the end of the day, it's ESP Group, and they do have quite a a large section, and some would say too big a a share uh, in not just electricity generation, but also the selling uh, the selling of their uh, electricity um, and uh, all the other aspects of the grid that ESP do have uh, con control over. So, you know, it's, 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 it is, they're in a, a much more favoured position because of the portion of the market that they have and because they're also involved in the uh, electricity generation. So they're, they're directly involved in some of the gas power supply stations that are uh, around the country. It's easier for them to uh, segregate Electric Ireland and say that they're not uh, operating a profit. But in the end of the day, this is ESB Group. 
they have the same CEO and they're they're generating the same profit. So you know, I I don't that doesn't that doesn't wash with me. Um, I and think someone else are, is saying, what about SSA SSE Electricity? They're owned by a British company. Would you be able to force them to pay windfall taxes? Certainly, because they're one of the suppliers uh, here in Ireland. There's absolutely, there's no doubt about that, and they're one of the electricity generators also. So, um, of course, they were one of the companies that we can target. And, and in fairness, I mentioned the 847 million that ESP have generated profits. A lot of the 2.18 billion for SSE electricity that wouldn't all be generated in Ireland and from the Irish market, obviously, because they're involved in the UK as well. Um, but either way, a lot of SSE electricity generation, in particular, because they're excellent, it must be said at uh, renewable energy, at wind, for example. Uh, They'd be one of the biggest players in the wind market. A lot of the electricity that they supply to the market over the last 12 months has come from clean renewable energy that shouldn't be bound by uh, the extortionate increases that we've seen in gas prices. But Mm -hmm. because of the way the uh, electricity market works, they're able to charge the same price per unit as those companies that do most of their generation through gas. And that's why this windfall tax is a mechanism where we can claw some of that back um, you know, they're making profits that they shouldn't really have made on, on the back of, of uh, clean renewable energy. So it, it's which is great. I mean, it's great. It's great that we can now see how cheap, uh, how much cheaper renewable clean energy that doesn't have the same emissions is to is to uh, is to generate. But we need to be able to claw back that um those profits yeah. and just and, the, and, the, the, and the most Kathy, important thing here is, is the consumers. Yeah, Cathy is making the point rather than go after them on windfall, windfall tax, can the government not force the energy companies to step up and start reducing energy costs to all of us? Yeah, absolutely. And look, plenty. We, we've had ESB uh, in front of our uh, Climate Action uh, Committee on several occasions now. And they have what's called a hardship fund. Uh, and the hardship fund for for I mentioned the eight hundred and forty seven million. Their hardship fund is only three million. That's that's to help pay with those in arrears. That's to help pay pay. Or that's to help support those who are finding it difficult to uh, meet their um, uh, bills. I mean, th- millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Three million is a tiny percentage of their overall profits. And what we're asking, and must remember the government is the biggest shareholder in ESP, what we're asking is that they increase that hardship fund. And that's one way of doing it. Another suggestion has been a cap, a cap on the unit price. Uh, for me, that doesn't work. I mean, it sounds great in, in theory that you cap the unit price and therefore you wouldn't see the massive increases that w- we've seen. But in the end of the day, it's the state will fund that cap. So essentially, it's a blank check from mm-hmm. the Irish government to the to the energy companies to say, you know what, you pr- you you sell energy for whatever price you want to. We're going to make up the difference. And that's where that's who will fund the cap. So it, it's a difficult one. I think that the windfall tax is a good way of doing it. And, it, and again, I just have to reiterate, it means that we can use. So at the moment, we're talking between 200 million and 600 million that can go directly back uh, into the pockets of the consumer uh, and the businesses who are at the moment. We're really still struggling. waiting for this hedging period. Yeah, I think the just on, on, on the hedging argument that's constantly put forward by the companies, is that starting to wear a bit thin? It's getting very frustrating because the last time we spoke, um, uh, Patricia, it must have been three weeks ago now, we were talking about the idea of the smart meters and bringing forward that cheaper nighttime rate. And then we talked about hedging and, you know, the the ASB companies, will, I th- sorry, the electricity companies will tell you, I think just to cover themselves, that hedging is done 12 to 18 months in advance. So they're saying, uh, you know, because peak gas prices were back in uh, August, September, October, that we won't see uh, the benefits of that hedging yet because the the, the gas that was bought then um, we, uh, we won't see that result for another 12 or for, uh, for 12 months from, I should say, December, October, October period. It does wear thin because we're going on quite uh, a long time now. We should start seeing, um, the, you know, once again, uh, electricity companies and we're seeing the, the price of fuel go down. We're seeing the price of gas go down on the, on the wholesale market. We're seeing those reductions happen. That should now start to be passed on and reflected in, in consumers' bills. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, you asked you asked me what um, what government could do in terms of, of tackling this. I think that as as a group of, of buyers and consumers that we can do something. And and there's something that um, I'm uh, getting up and running here in West Cork in, in my constituency in Corks at West, and that is to use uh, the power of group purchasing and aggregated spend. So what I'm suggesting is. That if there are consumers out there, if there are consumers out there who are uh, struggling to reduce their energy prices when they switch, um, that we use our aggregated spending power. In, in other words, there's economy of, of scale. Um, and if anybody out there wants to get in touch with my office um, and they want to, to, to email me their uh, current, their yearly spend on electricity, all I need is their, their name, their address and their yearly spend. And if we, you know, one person alone can't make a big difference in terms of the, the reduction in energy prices, but I genuinely believe in the power uh, of group purchasing. And if we can aggregate maybe one, two, three hundred people at the start, the numbers will build, then we can go and, and, and my office is offering to do this just as, as a gesture to try and reduce prices. We can go to the energy prices. We can use those numbers and that aggregated spend 
to try and get better rates uh, for people out there because things we're not seeing the the the, the reduction in um, prices that we thought we'd see. It's going to take a while for this windfall tax legislation to get through, but people don't have that time. Uh, so I'm offering that service for anyone who wants okay. to avail of it. They can, they okay. can email and, me. Out. And did you get anywhere with the this the nighttime tariff? Yeah. So as as I said, when when we met um, when when we met the Commissioner for Regulation of Utilities, they are the uh, the commission who actually decide the, um, uh, the the time that the night rate kicks in. They did agree that they'd go away and look at it. And now again, that's about three or four weeks ago. Now we haven't heard uh, back as to um, any results of the review of that. Um, I did bring it up with the Taoiseach. I brought I, I brought up the, the whole cost of energy with the Taoiseach last week. And the two the two things that we can do straight away is expedite this windfall tax legislation so that we can see those tax credits go back into people's or those those energy credits go back into people's pockets. And the second thing is that we immediately review uh, that cheaper tariff to kick in at eight o'clock and not at eleven o'clock when everybody's in bed and they're getting absolutely no benefit from that cheaper rate. Um, so he did assure me that he would he, he would look into it. But you know, looking into it there's one thing we need we really need to see action now on on energy straight away because um we're we're coming up on a year since these real um massive historical record increases in, in, in energy prices started kicking in. So we need to see that. Uh, yeah, and, and that, the, that the first bill starting to land without the €200 Euro energy credit in, in probably about six months. And then on top of all of that, uh, Christopher, on Thursday, the excise duty starts to go back up on petrol, uh, five cent and on uh, diesel. Um, or six cent on petrol, five cent on uh, diesel, with two more of those increases uh, to come in the next number of months. Uh, people really are struggling at the moment. Yeah, and it's another blow, and I can understand the frustration. And 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 let's let's face it, none of us wanted to see see that happen. Of co- of course, we're seeing uh, the cost of fuel at the uh, pump station and at the petrol stations uh, reduce, especially compared to where they were this time last year, and and. Um, uh, towards the end of, of 2022, we've seen a significant reduction. And this measure was always going to be a temporary measure. And of course, while um, revenue and while the exchequer and while the government's pockets are, are doing okay in the, in, at the moment in terms of the economy and in terms of corporate tax uh, revenue, it's quite healthy. We know that um, there isn't a bottomless pit there and we have to, to manage things prudently. So while it is a blow, uh, and I certainly personally would like to have seen uh, that excise duty um, uh, abolition, abolition extended for uh, another while. We also have to face reality in that this was always going to be a temporary measure. When it was first introduced, it was flagged as a temporary measure um, and there was always going to be a, an end to it and, and a definite end to it. So um, we, th- this is something I doubt very much is going to be reversed. I think the, the, the excise will, uh, duty will come back on, on petrol and diesel on a phased basis. Um, but that said, Government is always looking at ways that we can um, reduce uh, the burden of the cost of living. It, it is a crisis. There's no other other way of describing it at the moment. Um, you know, inflation uh, it has been an issue for the last 12 months. We've seen the cost of goods go up, the cost of shopping go up, the cost of energy that we've just spent the last 20 minutes talking about go up. Um, so we have to see innovative ways of of, of reducing that burden on people. Um, but this is something that was, that was always going to be temporary. And unfortunately, um, I don't think there's any uh, U-turn on this one. 
Okay, we got to leave it there. Uh, Christopher, thank you for that and uh, keep us updated, particularly on that windfall tax uh, legislation. Thank you. But, uh, and very, very briefly, if people do want to participate in this idea of aggregated spend and combining all forces, then I would urge them just to e- email me at christopher.osullivan at aroctus.e. All um, data will be held, will be dealt with very sensitively under GDPR. And I think this could be a key way of using people power to, to reduce uh, costs. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, thank Christopher. You. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Fianna Fáil, West Cork, Dáil Deputy uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. I just spotted a question in uh, Donald says, does Christopher know why petrol is going up one cent more than diesel from this uh, Thursday when everyone was told to move to petrol away from uh, diesel? I thought it was the other way. I thought everyone was told to move to diesel away from petrol. Uh, but the reason for it, Donald, is that when they reduced the excise duty, it was petrol that was 20 cent taken off the cost of petrol and there was less taken off the cost of diesel it was 15 so they're eventually bringing back that 20 cent and that 15 cent and it's been done they're going to do it gradually over three increases so that's why it's going to be slightly higher because in total 20 cent has to go back on uh, petrol at the end of it People in the Killa area of East Cork will be well aware of a tragic sequence of events that has left a family of five children without a home that was due to a house fire where practically nothing was saved to about the Walsh family and with details of a fund to help them. I'm joined by Dennis O'Sullivan and Dennis is the Vice Chairman of Killa GAA Club. Good morning to Dennis. Good morning Patricia and Uh, first of all thanks for having me on the show. Well listen thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us. I suppose we need to go back to the morning of April the 22nd. Can you outline for listeners not aware of the story what happened on that day? Yes, on the morning of the 22nd, a fire broke out on the Walsh family home. We think it started in the garage and spread rapidly throughout the house. No one was at home at the time. And when the family arrived back, practically they saw their house and all their belongings going up in flames. Nothing practically was saved. Yeah, and I've seen the photograph. I mean, this is a house absolutely gutted. Absolutely, Patricia. And I know that family home so well because I would pass it every evening going to training in Keller and it was a beautiful home. But after the fires, the realisation quickly dawned that there was no house insurance as the policy had lapsed due to the family hitting hard times financially. And at this stage, I want to really thank the, the Walsh family and I'm conscious that probably some of them are listening to your show right now. They have allowed Keller G and me talk about this, their story. They're traumatic story openly and honestly on your show and I really appreciate that and I think because of that you know the the community of East Cork the wider Cork community indeed the country and all around the world have literally responded phenomenally yeah, it's such it's such a tough time, and of course, what's what's really sad about this case was the tragedy didn't end there. I mean, if that isn't bad enough no. to lose everything, uh, sadly, their dad Brendan passed away about yes. a week later. Um, Patricia, the trauma really only started from the point of view, I suppose, from Brendan's point of view. He saw the situation that, you know, they were, the family were homeless. They were, they were in, in a shocking situation. It took its toll on, on his health. And tragically, we lost Brendan over a week later. It was on the first day of May, the first day of summer. My God, my God, what for this poor family. And, you know, the fact of the house, when I heard this story and the fact that the house insurance had uh, lapsed, I was thinking that's happened to so many other families. I mean, when financial times hit and you're trying to pay all of the utility bills and all the other bills that have to be paid and put food on the table, something like house insurance is 
pushed aside and you just think, oh, please, God, nothing will happen. And then, God forbid, something does happen. Patricia, I can tell you my day job is working with permanent TSB. And I have seen this happen so often when when financial situations and crisis hit. The first thing that will go will be the house insurance, the life cover, the serious illness cover and indeed health insurance. And, you know, unfortunately, it happens so often. Yeah. Could tell me, I know, as I mentioned, you are the vice uh, chair of uh, Killa and uh, Brendan would have been well known within GAA circles. Just tell me a little bit about Brendan, the type of man he was. And I know he had a great hurling career himself. Absolutely. So Brendan comes from one of the finest families that I know in, in Killa. Um, he, they're, they're, they're a large family from the point of view. Brendan had an outstanding hurling career from the point of view with Killa, with Imo Killy. He played every grade with Cork. He, he even played in a shinty under 21 with, with Ireland. Um, he, he came to prominence, I suppose, initially around 1990 with Middles and CBS. He was on the Cork minor team. He starred, I think, at halftime on that 1990 final, Cork were down nine points. He moved to midfield and it was his, his play brought the game level and to a replay. He was also a sub on the 1992 team. Um, the second youngest, I think Brian Corcoran would have been the youngest in that All-Ireland defeat to Kilkenny in 92. Um, he was also an outstanding coach from the point of view and is a huge loss, obviously, to his to his his wife, you know, his adore. He was an adore dad, a brother, an uncle, a work colleague. But as a club member to us, he was a phenomenal coach. And it is testament to his coaching ability that the present Cork under-17 team had four players from, you know, a small rural club like Killa. Brendan would have coached those lads and all four would have starred with Cork this year. What his own son, and he, uh, his own children followed, uh, follow, are following yes. in his footsteps. Yes, his own son Barry would have starred with Cork the week after his dad died. And oh. I think it's testament to Barry's inner strength that he went out on the pitch in Thurlis and he starred and I think scored 10 points against Clare. The following week, he went back out again and, and scored a similar amount and starred again. His nephew and, and godson, Ben, was centre-back in that team and also starred. And those two watches, Brendan and Ben, keep their names in mind. I have no doubt they will star with Cork in the future. They are fantastic hurlers. And it is testament to the man Brendan was, how he trained them and instilled the love of the game, both football and hurling, in them. You know, well since done. They were well kids. done. Well done. You've spoken so well about uh, Brendan, and and to me, I think that is what is the really double blow for this uh, family: not having a family home, surrounded by all of your memories, to grieve for that much loved husband and father. Absolutely, you know, from the point of view, the family obviously are devastated from the point of view, but not having a home to, to, to go to and to grieve and try and build your life is just so heartbreaking for them. And I think it's because of this, you know, the way the public have responded, Patricia. We, we, we set a subgroup together in Killage and put um, a GoFundMe page together with the consent of the Walsh family and, and they gave, you know, pictures of the, the of, of themselves that they had because they had few belongings left other than I think maybe Andrea had some pictures digitally on her phone and we had pictures of the house and we hit the, the button for the GoFundMe to go live last Friday evening at 4.15 and by 10 o'clock on Friday evening there was a hundred thousand raised. We had only sent that 
uh, uh, GoFundMe page to the members of Kilage and the members of East Cork GA, which would be the Immokili division. By four o'clock the following day, 24 hours later, we had gone to 209,000. And I think right now it's probably heading for 350,000. Yeah, it is. We do. We, we just checked it. And actually to watch it, I was watching it yesterday to watch it just every minute. Uh, people sending in donations. It's it's just it's testament to the family, though. It really is testament to it, the family. It, it absolutely is. And, and do you know, Patricia, as well, I think this fundraiser is testament to the good in social media. Because so, social media, digital radio, or radio and the digital press came on board. I was with 96FM yesterday morning with PJ and immediately after, you know, the, the, the 12 minutes I would have been with them, the fund just took off again. So it's the power, you know, and I appeal to the listenerships out there. We have, you know, a target of 350, or sorry, 500,000 to raise. Um, I know the, the month's mind mass is, is coming up shortly and it would be some consolation to the Walsh family that I could go to them and say, look, you know, we have a target reach to put a home We've done in it. place for yeah. you and that you can read And, and okay, just to talk about the, what's needed here, uh, Dennis, I mean, the whole house needs to be rebuilt. There's no saving anything and, in the house. And there, then once the house is built, everything inside has to be absolutely. replaced. And I, I suppose, Patricia, that's why I'm appealing also, not alone for funds from the point of view, but you know, builders, providers out there, electrical goods suppliers, kitchen cabinet makers, furniture suppliers, white goods, even clothing from the point of view. That family only had the clothes on their back from the point of view. I know Barry and Sean, who are two fantastic hurlers with, with Killa, would have had to go away and get training gear, hurlers, helmets. But the support out there, you know, initially from the community, from East Cork, from right around the country has been phenomenal. I was walking into work this morning in Middleton and a guy stopped me on the street and said, you're the very man I need. And he handed me a large donation. So as well as the GoFundMe, we also have an account in permanent TSB called the Killage A. Walsh Family Fundraiser. You can drop, you know, a check. You can donate to it. You, you get the details on the GoFundMe page. You can do it by electronic fund. You can send a check to permanent TSB Middleton, payable to Killer, you know, GA Walsh Family Fundraiser, and it will all go towards the fund. And the GoFundMe page is called what, um, Dennis? The GoFundMe page is Killer GA Walsh Family Fundraiser. Killer GA Walsh Family Fundraiser. Yeah. And, uh. and it... The support, Patricia, as I said, today has been phenomenal. You know, I, I took a call as well a while ago from um, a heating and plumbing company and they said they will... They, Brilliant. You know, they, they yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a little bit like, you know, the DIY SOS. I'd love to see something like that. Yes. Would be brilliant. You know, Patricia, that's something, and I said this to Mark and my wife for the weekend, I said, to me, that's what this project is. We need to hand back a home the same as Baz does in, in the DIY yeah. SOS because we are starting from scratch here from the point of view and it would be phenomenal you know and, and just you know fantastic for the family because anyone that knows the Walshes they are one of the finest families that I know and there's a large extended family there from the point of view I'm not originally from Killa myself I come from Glengariff but you know people that know me know I'm passionate about all things Killa but this is one of the finest families 
that I've come well across. Well said, well said. And the, the donations, no matter how small, every little bit helps. That's how this fund will Absolutely. grow and grow and grow. And Dennis, will you pass on our um, our, our thoughts to Brendan's family, to his, his beautiful wife and, and the five children? And just to say, you know, everyone is just heartbroken for them and just nobody, nobody would want anyone to go through what the Walsh family are going through at the moment. But I can, the, the outpouring of love and support and that's what will get them through this. Patricia, it's phenomenal. And also on behalf of the Walsh family, they asked me to thank each and everybody out there from the moment this tragedy happened to with the local community neighbours, you know, rallied around from the point of view. I remember doing managing traffic at the funeral and the funeral lasted maybe five hours, I think it was 20 to 10 before it left the funeral home. And the amount of people that evening came up to me in the rain and they queued for an hour and a half just think when you're starting a fundraiser, count us in. Mm. We have got donations so far from five euro to 5,000 euro. And even last night, I just sent a message on the GoFundMe thanking everybody that had donated. I think over 5,800 have to date. And the messages of support that I got back this morning when I opened my phone for the family are just incredible. And they are going to be some comfort to the Watch family as well when I share them with them yeah, later. That's that's what will get them through. Listen, uh, Dennis, you're, you're a great friend to the family as well. So well done to you and everybody involved in the organising committee and everyone in, in Killa GAA Club, the Watch family. You're blessed to have you guys uh, as well. We'll talk again. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Reach out to us. We'd be only too pleased to have you back on onto the programme. But listen, look after yourself. Patricia, thanks so much. Can I go to some of your comments uh, coming in? Can I just say lots of people uh, just sending uh, condolences and an outpouring of support for the Walsh family following our interview just before uh, 12 uh, and absolutely the devastation what has happened for the Walsh family. I mean, just hard enough to lose their family home with all of their possessions, but then also uh, to lose Brendan, you know, much loved uh, dad and uh, father. And it's all so recent, you know, I mean, Brendan sadly only died on the 1st of May. It's just coming up to his first one month anniversary. And well done to Dennis O'Sullivan uh, joining us on the programme just to put forward what the community in Killa and Killa GAA are doing. Jim says, such a sad and a tragic story about Brendan Walsh. I was wondering if Killa GAA have perhaps thought about doing a bucket collection at the under 21 and minor All-Ireland hurling final in Thurles on uh, Sunday. Maybe that's something that they could do. In, indeed, maybe that is something. I don't, I don't know if they've considered it or not. There's a lot of money coming in on the GoFundMe page and also permanent uh, TSB has opened an account in the Killer branch where people can donate as well. And then Michael says, Patricia, how are you? The interview on the Walsh family tragedy has me so upset this morning. Michael says, we all complain about small things, but God, what that family are going through is just absolutely devastating in so many ways. Please, please pass on my sympathies to the family and to the Killer community as well. What a fantastic advocate your uh, your guest and our guest was uh, Dennis O'Sullivan was Vice Chair of Killer, but you knew listening to Dennis, he was a friend of Brendan's and a friend of the Walsh family as well. Uh, Michael says, what a fantastic uh, advocate uh, he was. Uh, he, uh, he is a fantastic man. And the song that you played after the interview just got to me too personally, says Michael. And, and I did, I finished up the interview and just pressed the next button and then the next song that came on was Maroon 5 in Memories. And, and Michael, I'm the same. I sat here listening to the words of it and I just thought, oh my God, what a song. It was just... 
absolutely so perfect for what we had just been talking about uh, for sure. And a reminder to you that that GoFundMe page and no matter how small your donation is or how large your donation is, every single euro will go towards getting this family back up on their feet. And if you go to the GoFundMe page, if you simply go to GoFundMe, uh, dot com and you just kill a GAA Walsh family uh, fundraiser. Actually, when I went in uh, to check online um, how it was going, the minute I put it in, I could see that the kill a GAA Walsh family fundraiser was one of the top ones. And actually, it has the picture of the house and it did. It looked like it was a gorgeous bungalow and it's just got it. I mean, it literally, there's nothing could be saved that just shows when, when a house fire starts, how quickly if it's not got under control and of course thankfully there was nobody in the house I think that's probably the most important one And um, but they lost everything they lost absolutely everything bar the clothes that they were standing up in it's just incredible to think how can and then a little over a week later to lose uh, their much loved dad and husband it's just it's mind numbing what that family are going through and we extend nothing but love and good wishes to them and this is a practical way that we can help this family get back up on their uh, feet and and we'll keep you updated on how that fund uh, goes and the sooner that they reach the target so they can start to rebuild the house so that the Walsh family can in somehow try to uh, rebuild their lives and we'll keep them all in our thoughts and in our prayers. And once again, Brendan uh, Walsh, may he rest in peace. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And if you know somebody that needs help with reading, writing, spelling and numeracy, um, you please contact the Adult Learning Centre in Mallow for further information. They're based on the top floor of the Mallow Parish uh, Centre and their opening hours are Monday to Friday, 9.30 to 1.30 and Fridays from 9 to half 12. And Mallow was entered into the Cork County Council's anti-litter campaign and they're asking people to please be aware that cigarette butts are a huge source of litter around. If you're a smoker, please dispose of your butts responsibly. And Shambhali Moore have also entered that anti-litter campaign and they're asking the local community to please be mindful of their litter and if you can, give a helping hand. And St. Coleman's National School in Cloyne celebrating 50 years on this Friday, the 2nd of June. There will be a commemorative walk on Friday from the Old Boys and Girls School sites to the village where the new school is. The original builders are even coming back to celebrate on the occasion. Past pupils, teachers and uh, everyone is invited to come along and celebrate this special uh, occasion. The walk will start at 9.30 on Friday morning and teas and coffees will be served afterwards. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. With a high digital online skills course, you'll feel a real difference. I can listen to all the music I like. The bus app that's coming out, and it's brilliant. Anything you want to know, it's at your fingertips. They're small things, but they mean something. Learn essential online skills with simple, accessible lessons at highdigital.ie or free phone 1-800-20-30-30. Brought to you by Vodafone Ireland Foundation and Alone. 
Vodafone. Together we can. Win big with Clonakilty. Each week we're giving away a 500 euro shopping voucher for a supermarket of your choice. Plus vouchers, hampers and family passes to our visitor centre. Watch out for Clonakilty black and white pudding competition packs. Scan to enter online. Closes July 14th. T's and C's apply. See clonakiltyfoodco.ie for more. Clonakilty, a family of great taste. Over recent months, we've all been dealing with the reality of rising energy costs. And we've all been making changes to reduce our energy use. However, if you are having trouble paying your energy bills, be sure to talk to your supplier as soon as possible. There are a range of protections in place for customers. Organisations such as MABS and Alone can also help. For information on these and all other supports available, visit gov.ie forward slash reduce your use. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. C103 presents Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance 25th Anniversary Show live at the Cork Opera House. Witness the groundbreaking show which has dazzled audiences with its unique combination of high-energy Irish dancing, original music and storytelling. Lord of the Dance fans can expect new staging, costumes and choreography plus stunning special effects and lighting. Tickets available at the box office or see CorkOperaHouse.ie Lord of the Dance, August 9th to 13th. Proudly supported by C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. Now I'll go back to some of your, co- your comments that have been coming into the programme, but I want to go to the phone lines where Fimber uh, joins me. Uh, good afternoon, Fimber. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And this is one of these kind of a good news stories and a way of saying publicly calling out somebody who goes above and beyond the call of uh, duty. You were heading to the match on Sunday, was it? I was, Patricia, correct. Okay, who was in the car with you? I tell you, my son Luke, who's a hurling fanatic, worse wor- ass, he's jaked up here in Clamboyer. Okay. And, um, o- and off he headed. I tell you, Patricia, can I just say one thing before I start? Yeah. Um, we have a fundraiser going in our club also for the Welsh family. Do you? So I, I would uh, I would barely know the Welsh family in Killer, right? Because I, I would have close contacts with, uh, with St. Edith's GA Club in near Yall, and the, the two are amalgamated underage hurling, right? Yeah. So we have we have um, a fundraiser here going in the club, right? I think Dennis Her- Dennis um, Toomey is running it. But anyone that wants to donate can donate to our web our website on sarsgea.ie. Well done. But we have three. Um, I know it's hard not to come from a sad note to a, high, a, a more a more lighter note, but yeah. we had three predominantly players on the minor team: Jack Austin, Jack Huggins, and predominantly Barry O'Flynn, who played with Barry. Um, Sorry, no, I'm a bit upset over this. But uh, Barry O'Flynn would have played with him, right? Okay. And um, it's kind of hit me, like, it's kind of hit me hard, really, because those lads are kind of upset. They played with him and they trained with him. I know. They coached under their manager, Keith, Keith, uh, Kieran Murphy, who would be known as Fraggy, the Cork Minor manager, who's also a Sarah's man, like myself. But um, we, I just want to let people know that we also have a fundraiser going into the top. And, and you know, uh, you know yeah, yeah, the one thing, Fimber, I always find, I mean, you know, it's just such a devastating uh, tragedy for this family. But from the minute the GoFundMe, um, it, it got launched last Friday and I remember seeing it when it started and, you know, it was going up to like, it was 2,000 euro had been raised, you know, within the first hour or whatever. Absolutely, and and yeah, I remember yeah, thinking, yeah. this is the GAA. The GAA will wrap their arms around this family. The way, the way, and, and that's exactly what has happened. It's the heart and soul of yeah. most communities. And, you know, like I'm heavily involved here locally in our, in our club at 
four or five different grades and my son's involved, my other son's involved, my daughter. And it, they've all asked me, Dad, what happened to family in Killen? The tragedy losing their Everyone's father. Everyone's talking about um, it. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. kind of hit home, you know. Yeah. But like, I just want to just pay our respects on behalf well done. of the club and our chairman, Keith Mulcahy. Well done. Well, the okay, really. and and we'll talk now about on a, as yeah. you say, and we need we need to I, we'll I, talk about. I know, yeah. And I this know, is a good news. This is a good news it story. Is, and yeah. it's and you know when I saw your email, I said to John Paul, get Finbar to join us because it's nice to call out when somebody does something something nice, something yeah. nice. and above and beyond. The yeah, yeah. So you 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 got so up on had, Sunday and off we you headed. We were on the outskirts of Limerick City on the M7, okay. going along nicely. Keeping under the limit and the whole lot. Great. I got a blowout of the tyre. Oh. So I said, Christ, it, it, it's, it's a puncture. I'll have to deal with this now. And uh, we pulled in. I, uh, uh, I struggled, actually, because I wasn't going fast, but I was going a nice speed. And we pulled in. We checked the tyre was flat. But it was actually a big bolt had gone up through the roof of the tyre. So the tyre was completely blown out. So I I, I kind of know the rules of the road. And I friends with the guards Chicana, and I rang the guards. And uh, they said they'll be with me shortly, and they then organised the tow truck for me. Great. So I was up early. I, I, I was rare early. I was rare well to kind of get up early and be early in time for things in life. <laughs> so we were up at half twelve, quarter to one. My my plan was to go into Limerick City, do a bit of shopping, have a bite to eat, and head out to the Gaelic grounds. Then afterwards with my son. So that all got shot in, in the foot because this wasn't. We were delayed on the road with the puncture. But the tow truck came through the guard. He was very very nice to us. I just want to give a shout out to Gary Davis Davidson of Castle Connell GA Station. It was absolutely outstanding. Um, he organised the tow truck. Uh, he came along in, in his Garda car and the tow truck took away my car. Mm-hmm. And the Garda then said he'd take us to Castle Connell Garda Station. He was knocking off duty and he said, I'm actually going to the game as well. <laughs> so what he, were the chances? <laughs> what are the chances? Is right, a million to one. So we're yeah. on the outskirts of Limerick City, a good, a good bit out now, farther out the country, so to speak. And he went into the Garda station. We waited outside. He came out in, in his tracksuit. Right. And we hopped into his unmarked car. And after the match, we went. And we, we the traffic was, was, as you can imagine, bumper to bumper. So we went through Limerick City, over Torman Bridge. He knew all the guys at the lights and the and the, and the, mm. the crossroads, so they all gave him the wink, and we drove through. <laughs> it was it was like a guard escort <laughs> all the way to the Gaelic grounds, and we actually parked at I think Mir Mir Station, Garda Station. I kind of I'm not quite sure the names, yeah. but it's right under Tormund, the, the rugby pitch. So he walked with us across to the match. He said our goodbyes, and he said, "No," he said, "We're not done yet." He said, "I'll meet you back at the Garda Station afterwards, and I'll bring you out." My, my my car was being fixed in the meantime back at Bally Simon uh, Tire Centre. I, I showed out there to Paddy who'd done the, t- the tire for me. So while we were at the game, my car was being fixed. I was getting a new tire and I met David in the guard after the match back at the station and he drove us all the way out to Bally Simon Tire Centre out in the industrial state where I got my car back. I thought it was just something I, I kind of said you know, fair juice to an individual. Like another guard might just kind of deal with it on the side of the road. The tow truck would be the end of it. And that would be it. The yeah, because one. what was, when you were waiting for the tow truck and everything to I come, was, we, what we was were, going through your mind as to what I, were you going to do? I tell you what, no, it, 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 it's, it was a good thing. It was a blessing in disguise, Patricia, because it just, it just, it just opened my eyes to the rules of the road because, when, when we pulled in, I got I got the car off the road, right? And then I got my son out straight away. 
I'd put him up in the embankment because it's dangerous to leave someone in the car in case you get struck from behind. Mm. So I walked back with my uh, my my uh, hazard crossing. I, I left that in the road about 100 metres back or so just to let people know that I'm in trouble and to overtake me and, and pass on. And then we rang the guards and he came out and he organised a tow truck. But just on a, on a different note, Patricia, the speed, when, when I was looking at my car, it was shaking with the speed of people on the road. I know. It, it's frightening. When you're, look, when you're standing, like you'd never stand on a motorway. It's illegal anyway, number one. But when, you, when you're standing on the embankment waiting for a tow truck and, and I, I get the guard that was with me at that time, he was watching it going by as well. He was actually helping me with the tyre. He was very generous of his time especially. But to see the speed of cars passing was, myself and my, my son Luke, were, we, were, we were moving back further up the bank. It was frightening. Which is, I, which is why what you did is what is advised. Because absolutely. if somebody slaps in to that stationary it's car. If, yeah, yeah. it's the road to get out of your car and stand away from the car and stand up to the bank. In the safe areas, so to speak. Yeah. While yeah. waiting for the um, the tow truck. But uh, the tow truck, Sweeney's came, Auto Sweeney's tow truck came, their service came. They took my car. They took it away to their depot. And that was being fixed while I was at the game. I just thought it was fantastic. That's great. What a service. Yeah. Well, was, and you know something, service. the Gardaí can get a hard enough time, can, particularly with can. some of the protests can. that are going on around the country. Absolutely. And I've seen some of the video Absolutely. footage and I think, my God, you'd want the patience of Job uh, with people roaring into, into your face and blaming him for all like, kinds we, of things. We, we, like he stayed with me until the truck, the tow truck came and then he was more, he was on his own phone organising the tow truck back at the depot. Um, he was uh, talking to lads on the road that we'd be coming along shortly that is true and it was just I felt, we felt like VIPs well you know done. what I mean well done. I said to my son and it was just a brilliant moment and the only thing the we'd only thing we make the match but we did in the end on time and the only thing was that you didn't get the result we didn't get the result but no. we'll, we'll, we'll come another day we will we'll come another we, will. Day. we will there's plenty of new lads coming up the line and, and clubs Okay, are, are, are going to be strong hurlers in car curling in, in time to come. Let's give come. a big shout out then to Garda David, David Stapleton and he's Castle based at Castle Castle Connell Garda Station. All right, listen, pleasure to talk okay, to you, Finbar, and good luck with that fundraiser for the for the Walsh family as well. You're a great okay. guy. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye, bye bye. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Let me go just to some of your other comments that uh, have been coming into the program this morning. We were talking with uh, Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan about he thinks that we, the government needs to expedite the legislation so that they can enforce the windfall taxes on the energy companies. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, isn't it amazing how our government dragged their heels when chasing down utility companies, but they wouldn't be long when they want to chase us down to get more money out of taxpayers. Somebody else wasn't too happy with Christopher. Fidelman McCroom said, listening to Christopher, I've never heard so much waffle. He was saying what we all already know no, and he never actually said anything to solve the issue. He said, we'll look into this and we'll look into that. He never gave a straight answer, just talked around why the prices are shooting up. And then when I asked Christopher about petrol and diesel is going to be going up from the first, not to say all garages will put it up straight away, but the they're putting back on the excise duty on petrol and uh, diesel. Uh, Michael says, in Carrigaline says, when the petrol and diesel increases kick in from the 1st of 
of June, there will be a ripple effect with groceries going up as delivery vans. They will cost more to put out on the road. So the knock on is that consumers will end up paying more. And Michael noticed that when the prices went down, like, for example, when the excise duty was taken off petrol and diesel, he said you didn't start to see prices in shops go down. And he said that's what annoys him. And actually, the latest result is out on the inflation uh, rates, the consumer prices, inflation still running at over 16%. And there was a slight dip again in uh, May, but there's it's still... It's heaping further pressure on households. The figures are released. This is the market consultants. Candar, they say inflation is the real driving factor behind increasing spending in supermarkets rather than increased purchasing. They looked at the last 12 12 weeks to the 14th of May. An extra 574 million was spent, but it's to do with prices going up rather than people buying uh, more. So inflation still running at over 16%. uh, It's down 0.1% from April. Emer Healy, who we've often spoke with, she's the Candar retail analyst. She said, despite this very, very slight drop. Inflation is still high, 16.5%. Uh, and that's food inflation, which is running much higher than general inflation is. And uh, she says, in response to the high level of inflation, where they're seeing customers change their shopping patterns. Candar says shoppers now are turning to shopping little and often. That's how they're trying to manage their budgets rather than going out doing one big shop every week. And in the three months up to the 14th of May, visits to supermarkets were actually up 12%. Now, no one would be surprised to hear this, that supermarket own brand products continue to prove popular with households. People are trying to save money wherever they can. Sales of these products, the own brand is up 16.3% uh, against 8% for the branded items. And um, actually for the first time ever, they say that own, lev- own label items and branded products are both, they both have the same share at 47.3. Consumer spending in supermarkets also increased, but that's to do with prices going up rather than people buying more. And then, of course, Kandar also look at where we are spending our money. Dunn Stores still remains the top destination for people to buy their groceries. They have 23% of the market, followed by Tesco at 22%, Super Value at just over 20%, Lidl is at 13%, and Aldi is is it just over uh, 12? So prices still rising, unfortunately. But infl- the food inflation coming down slightly, but it needs to come down a lot, lot further. 0818 103 103. And remember earlier, I mentioned that I thought it was jolly unfair. People who are trying to get refunds on the Celine Dion. If you book tickets for Celine Dion in Dublin, because unfortunately she came out last Friday uh, to say she's cancelling all the rest of her world tour for now. She is hoping to uh, reschedule, but for now she is... Uh, they're giving refunds on all of the tickets and one of the Celine Dion uh, concerts was due to be held in Dublin that's been cancelled but anyone who booked tickets with uh, uh, KBC Bank or Ulster Bank are having problems getting their refunds because Ticketmaster is saying the only way we can refund is back to the card that you purchased the ticket but those cards are gone because the banks are closed. Well Aoife says Patricia I was in a similar position recently I was returning an item to a next store and as I had used my KBC card to purchase the item they weren't able to give me a refund back onto my new card so I had to accept a voucher 
for the same amount. Now, I wasn't sure of my rights at the time, but it does seem to be a little unfair that you have to accept a voucher and you're not entitled to a full refund. That does seem very, very unfair, uh, Aoife. We're going to try and get on to Consumer Affairs and see if we can get an answer on that because that is going to catch a number of people. I mean, it's been highlighted now because of the Celine Dion concert, but there will be other people who would have purchased items or, like you, bought items and then you know if it's faulty for example and you have to return it or you want to return it for whatever reason there's got to be some other system in place where you can get a refund onto your now new bank account rather from a bank that and a bank card that no longer exists You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast Phone and text lines are currently closed Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui, and we are turning our attention to exams. Uh, good, yeah. after, good afternoon to you, Joe. And good the, afternoon, and is, isn't the weather just like it always is for the exams, whatever it is? <laughs> I mean, I, I remember sitting my leaving search all those years ago, and along with Cucullin, and we had beautiful sunshine for it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah, it's whatever it whatever it is. Thing, all right. Okay, yeah. now you want to talk about? I know most of the leaving search and junior search students are already at home. Many of them would have finished up last week, and they mm. sort of go home and immerse themselves in uh, study. So, yeah. what's the advice for like right now? We're coming like with a week to go. Well, I'd like to reassure students that um, in 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 a hundred, in in ninety nine percent of cases, you know more than you think you know. Because sometimes we get into a whirly-whirly in the head about exams. And um, uh, what about that? And what about that? And what about that? Instead of saying, uh, calm it down and um, get those study cards. Um, Now, they're cards that are about, um, I don't know, you'd be familiar with them, Patricia, what, five? inches by eight yeah, they're inches. Like, yeah, fl- yeah, they're flat. They're, they're cards I'd use if I was doing a speech at something to have no Absolutely. Yeah, flash cards. Perfect job. Yeah. And reduce, reduce, reduce. Just say your first two exams or even your first exam. Make out some bullet points. Um, you know, it's not a time now for opening page one of the textbook. It's reduce down bullet points. And um, uh, they will stay in the head. And then when you're inside in the exam, your bullet points will come to you and um, uh, have a good look at the paper. And you'll see that, you know, uh, yes, that came up. And yeah, I can manage that. So then and after the exam, then forget about it. Now, um, I think this is, a, this is a really important one because you know, we know, you know, you've got so many exams to do over a period of time and yeah. if you start having the post-mortem, if you start talking to somebody else, what did you write for that or why didn't write that? Or if you start checking back on notes, going, oh, I'm after getting that one wrong, you can fret about something that there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So you just absolutely. forget it, it's done. And it can have a negative effect on your whole demeanour for the other exams as well. Um, you know, you could home in on one mistake, one thing that didn't go exactly the way maybe you wished it to go. And that then can have a, a, a downing, we'll call it, effect. Um, so it's not a good idea. Um, keep looking forward. Keep looking to the next exam. And then on the night before the exam, it's very important to check the equipment you need. You know, do you have a couple of pens? 
um, do you need a ruler? Um, have you got um, a bottle of water? Um, do you have a timekeeper, a watch? Anyway, there'll be a big one in the exam centre. Do you have a box of tissues? Um, you know, are you sure that you have a note made and uh, that you have your exam number? And um, just um, have a, have that little checklist um, for the morning. Yeah, um, and, and have everything. You don't want to be running around the morning of it. And this is where uh, mums and dads can play a role as well to make sure, you know, you don't want the big panic of, oh, I've, you know, I need a certain ro- uh, biro, I need whatever. Have everything ready, laid out, so that when you get up in the morning, everything is relaxed and calm. Absolutely. And that's the big thing. Relaxed and calm. Couldn't say it better. And um, then, you know, um, uh, have a look over the revision cards for that particular exam. Um, no textbook, nothing new, just um, the, the bullet points that you made out. Then maybe a nice bat. Um, uh, you know, bed at a, a reasonable time. Um, try to relax. It probably won't work greatly. There was very few of us who were completely relaxed the night before our, say, um, the the exam. Yeah, everyone and, is going um, to be nervous. You can allow for that. That's, exactly. That there's something, you know, that's normal nerves. Don't think there's anything wrong with you. Exactly. To be able to say this is normal it would be very peculiar if I was completely laid back and relaxed. Now, if you are a person who is completely uh, laid back and relaxed, more luck. Brilliant. Okay. Um, very often a person mightn't sleep greatly the night before the exam. You know, um, even the bullet points keep going round and round and um, I must make sure about that now and yet did, have I got that, did I, did, yeah, and all of that. So that's fair enough. It's normal. It's it's absolutely normal. And it usually doesn't take from a person's performance in the actual exam itself. Um, now, we often talk about the deep breathing. The, the breathing where the tummy expands, like if you blew into a balloon, it would expand. And if you breathe to your tummy, it will expand. And then just hold. And then as you breathe in the nose and as you breathe out the mouth, let the shoulders come down. And just to concentrate on that actual act, I'm breathing in, I'm holding, I'm breathing out. And that can help greatly uh, the night before. I heard Dr, uh, just as an aside on breathing, I heard Dr Luke O'Neill speaking on uh, radio over the weekend uh, and he's come into breathing uh, exercises, something that he never did. Mm. And uh, he said, uh, particularly for people with anxiety, and what he had started to learn was a breathing technique where you uh, breathe in for four you hold for seven and then exhale for seven. And he started doing that five for five minutes a day. And he said, it's incredible. And he was, you know, and like Dr. Luke O'Neill is well known as a as a doctor who bases everything on science and scientific yeah. facts and whatever. And he said he, he it was just something new that he'd come to. But I thought it was good. So it's in you breathe in for four, hold for seven and then and it was more exhale. You exhale for seven. So listen, if that's Brilliant. worth passing on, uh, why yeah. not? OK, because so anxiety, a it's lot huge. Of people don't realise anxiety is in the body not in the mind yeah so that 
talking to yourself about like calm down, calm down doesn't really doesn't work. Doesn't help, doesn't help. Yeah, you've got to okay. work it down. All right, so the morning of it, keeping everything is calm and this again is where the pa- the parents will come in. Nothing hyper, nice relaxed breakfast, whatever you traditionally have for breakfast. Just make sure that, that you have eaten and then get to the exam hall in plenty of time. And the advice here, similar to we were chatting yesterday with uh, Roshin, our career guidance expert. Uh, she's a big advocate for reading the paper and so are you. Oh, big time. Um, I mean, I've made the mistake myself. I was doing a thing for a workshop not too terribly long ago. And, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, they were like, uh, select which is best of the following and select which one is best of the following. And I kept getting it wrong at the end. Um, I wasn't getting what I needed to get, the the, the full thing. And then I copped on that about number three or number four was select the best two ah, of the following. Yeah. And I, I just kept going with the select one. And um, so we need to be careful and read the paper carefully and to read the instructions carefully. I mean, for example, if it says answer one question from section one and uh, two sections from the following t- three sections, we'll say, you need to be on the ball with that, you, you know. So if you head off and write, uh, answer two questions from section A, which you weren't meant to, well, then you've just wasted a lot of time writing probably an extremely good answer, but you get nothing for it. Mm. So you do need to um, uh, pay great attention to the instructions of what, what, what you need to answer. Um, like how many questions, as I say, from each section. So then um, maybe underline the important words in each section. Like you could have compare such things and you could have contrast. Now, you need to realize that if if it's compare, you're talking about the um, similarities between A and B. And if you're talking about contrast, you're talking about the differences yeah, so between under, A and B. Understand the question. And another good tip is if, if you spot a question that is right up your alleyway, something that you've really studied and you know well, start with one you like because it, it's going to boost your confidence a little bit. Absolutely. And as they say in life, um, a good start is half the battle. So if you see a question that was one that you expected and that there it is right in front of you, even if it's a bit down the paper, that it's not, you know, question number one. Well, start with that, but mark it very clearly. Um, you know, make it, make life easy for the examiner that, um, you know, that each section gets a new page start. Um, and that helps too with the sense of that. If, um, you know, if you are after going on and on a bit with an answer and you realise I've got to get to another question well leave space under it and then and, moves, uh, move you, could, you can come back you can and, come back to it and if, yeah. you've, if you've finished and you know there's still 20 minutes left in the exam don't leave the exam hall go over everything see if there's anything else you can add see if there's any mistakes that you've made spelling error whatever it is yeah, and maybe add in, um, I mean, the, where you left a space after a question, I'd recommend leaving a space after every question. Yeah. Um, you might decide to pop in a couple of bullet points, um, 
you know, which maybe you've mentioned it already in your answer, but a couple of bullet points in the end will impress the uh, yeah. the, the person correcting. Okay. okay, and bring that bottle yeah. of water with you because it's important uh, totally. to stay uh, dehydrated. And of course, there's a supervisor inside in uh, the room. They're there to help. They are. And, uh, and if there's anything that you need, like in a maths exam, if you were told that uh, a calculator is allowed, and if by any chance that you have forgotten, um, well, um, a, a, a calculator uh, can be found. But ask, don't just forge on and finish up with two A4 pages full of, um, of figures that you're then trying to add up that you could have just um, used your calculator. That's a simple example, but, um, uh, you know, it, 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 um, it explains that fairly clearly, I okay. think. All right, mm. listen, we'll let you go. And uh, you're, lots of, um, can I suggest honey? Uh, war, uh, honey, you've, you're, 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 you're struggling with your throat today. I am. Yeah. And I uh, peculiarly, um, about uh, just before we started, I had two fine of Did you? Well done. Honey and lemon is great. Listen, mind yeah. yourself. Enjoy the bank holiday weekend. Enjoy the fine weather. And we'll talk next week. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for that. That is uh, Joe uh, Heffernan. Bit croaky today, but he got through it. Uh, he runs a counselling practice in Bohubri. His number is 0868348145. Thanks to John Paul. Talk tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.